Welcome to Success Leaves Clues Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Brackett, and I've been blessed enough in my life to meet individuals who've been able to leave me clues on my journey to success. The goal of this show is to bring you the experience of those who have achieved great things and allow you to be a fly in the wall, soaking up clues for your own journey to success. Let's get right into this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Success Lose Clues. I have my good friend with me today and best-selling author, Mr. Scott Jarrett, man. Future hack, best-selling author on Wall Street, Amazon. Man, congratulations. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me today. Nah, no problem, man. So um, what what made you want to write the book, Future Hack? <laughs> That's a great question. I'll tell you, the thing is, I've been doing this thing since uh, for almost 18 years now, working with people and... I've never had money myself. I was coming up as a kid. I was always struggling with it. And um, there's actually a journey that I I found. And as I've gotten better at helping people get what they want in their life, I was like, there's a pattern. There's things here that we can do. And I just came to this concept of whatever the heck you want in your life, you have to get yourself so ready to to think future focused versus Mm -hmm. back. And how do you actually hack it? Like, how can you program your mind to get exactly what you want? And I'm like, this is it. So we created this concept of future hack and it's literally the 10 steps of our process that I've seen that work and what the top 1% do that others don't. And I just thought it's time to put it in a framework so people can really understand for themselves. And I'm so sick and tired of the misinformation out there. So I'm yeah. like, hey, here's, here's what I know to be true today. And it's amazing because, you know, Tony Robbins fan, he talks about the size of achievement. And yeah. what the one percent are is that that discipline of, of believing in that science and yeah. believing in those numbers that work. So it's amazing. Like, think about where you want to be, yeah. and then let's reverse engineer and set up a plan for you to get there. Right. Oh, well, it's like you know the one percent crazies, right? Yeah. We talk about that. And um, you know, when John F. Kennedy said, "I want to go to the moon," he didn't know I was going to get the moon. He said, "I'm going to the moon." Right. Right. Y'all figure it out. <laughs> like. Nah. So that's crazy, right? Now Elon Musk is like, well, I'm going to Mars. Like, yeah. He's coming with me. <laughs> so, And I'm sure he would get it done. <laughs> Eventually. I mean, I blow up some spaceships along the way. Yeah, yeah. But it's cost of doing business, right? <laughs> right. So it's interesting. Um, one of the things that we're both are very aligned in, and I think it was your first rule, and then just the difference between abundance and the scarcity mindset. So can you share with us a little bit, like, what does that mean to have the abundance mindset? Oh, so... I think you start with scarcity first, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's more common than abundant, I think. Um, And I think a lot of it's just our environment. So like growing up in a, you know, section eight housing with, you know, a single mother just trying her best to survive and everyone around you and that just feels like the resources are not there and people not working and trying to like, they don't want to mess up their food stamps. Like, like my parent, my mom never really was able to make income um, because if she did, she made more income than I wouldn't even get financial aid packages and all these other things. So it was like, that's a scarce environment and everyone around you is that way. Right. So just to think about like, I just remember feeling so trapped in it, like you can't get out. Luckily for me, it was sport to get out with sports. And, and then I was like, oh, there's a whole nother way of doing things. And it was through sports that kind of taught that. And over my careers, I started to figure out and met the right people and met more people that were doing that thought differently about it. I was like, these people have no scarce resources. It's all abundance and it's all, things are plentiful and all the opportunities are endless and they know how to capture them. Mm-hmm. So I really started thinking, I was like, man, there's only two kinds of people, those who live in scarcity right. and those that realize that all opportunities are plentiful and anything you want can happen. And 
what I found and learned to believe is that I, I operate in both abundance and scarcity at times. Right. It's just a matter of how fa- I can get out of it faster than others because I've learned how to do it. And the really successful, like the top really 1% crazies, get out of it faster than the others. Right. So that's the difference between abundance and scarcity. So there's really only those two kinds of people. It, it's amazing. I saw online um, <clears throat> so many people always talking about um, cutting their expenses. But it's right. far easier to make ten thousand dollars <laughs> extra year than it is to save ten thousand dollars because yeah. of your expenses. Yeah, like like I was reading that book, The Millionaire Next Door, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that sounds horrible. Like this dude's rich, but he's so like un like not living the life of purpose, right? right. He's like he's just counting he's, everything, managing everything. Yeah, it's just like being a Scrooge, right? Yeah. So I talk about like freedom. Freedom is like freedom of your money, freedom of your time, right. freedom of your relationships, freedom of your purpose. So like. If your purpose is to cut expenses and live like beyond, like at this place, then what's that? Yeah. So I think that's a scarcity idea, even in itself. Now, granted, we want to be smart with our money, but not like have to live on someone else's terms. Right. So all right. So I'm a millionaire, right? A couple million dollars, or, or I'm about to make some money. Like, what what would your advice be, right? Because so many people. They make money, they want to pay taxes, they want to pay all their bills, and then they pay themselves last, right? But that's that's not how you future hack, right? What should no. you do if you want to future no. hack? See, that's the funny thing is, um, you know, uh, as a professional athlete, you literally have a gift. You won right. the lottery. Like, you won all, you got all this money now. Right, like, right. That's, that's, a, that's, a huge, that's a huge start in life. Lottery ticket winners, same thing. They get a lot of money, so they get all the money. And they're like, well, what do I do? Most of them don't understand it, and that's why they have they struggle with financial decisions, and they end up losing it. So the first thing is you got to discover why you do what you do. Why do you work? What's your purpose? What's your why for money? It's more important than money itself. Most people never sit down and say, what are my values for money, and then what do I really want? A lot of times those things don't align. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, I really want to spend time with my my family and do trips and vacations and stuff, but yet they go buy a big house and now they don't have any money to go on those things. Right. So the first thing is really getting organized, understanding you know well your why for money, and then organizing it to know really where you currently are. Because once you identify your why, then you then you have that moonshot. Like, where am I going? What am I looking for? And now you back in exactly how you get there. So it's, it's interesting. Um exercise right so for disclosure i am a client um and one of the first things that we've done was really organize like all your financials and like the question is is this everything is this it oh no i got 25k oh i got money here i got and so like how many people do you meet have their finances and just like all scatter i have my life insurance through this person maybe i have a trust that's in the drawer that hasn't been signed like uh, how, how bad is it out there it's really bad it's so bad that I don't think I've ever met anyone that has it all together. Wow. Ever. Like, it's, it's very rare. And even, even the most successful people that I do meet, their businesses are run like that. Like, mm-hmm. they'll have CFOs. They'll have all their stuff. They can, they can give me finance reports. They can give me all the stuff within their business, profit and loss, balance sheets, cash flows. But then when I go ask them, hey, where's your family trust? What, uh or like you have a five point like what are all these things that you have they go well i don't because they never have an infrastructure for that but the business is running they have their meetings cadence and they have all these different things but they don't ever have the personal side set up the same way so you have to have almost like a personal cfo help get that side organized to where it runs like a business so it has a balance sheet it has a net worth statement it has 
cash flows and protections and it's got a purpose and it's got vision and it's got core focuses and those things. Right. That's the personal part of it. And it's there. It's just never been organized or someone's ever coached you through it because Usually, if you got a million dollars, you go to the bank. It's like, well, I want the million dollars. I'm going to go tie that all up for me. Right, right. I'm going to give you 6%. <laughs> right. That's not, I don't know. Yeah, that's yeah, well. What's your wife for money? And how are we going to create this to be 10 million? Like, that's not the conversation. Yeah. It's like, hey, I can, I, here's the product that's going to fit that million dollars. It's just perfect for you. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, the, uh, the question um, in last seasons we, uh, you were on, we talked about uh, the question, like, all right, um, a part of getting organized. One of the questions is like, all right, if you get hit by a truck, like, uh, how, if you get hit by a truck, like, how much do you want to get paid? Yeah. All right, now, if, if you hit someone, like, how much do you want to pay them? Right. And, like, you talked about protection inside the book and, like, how do you properly insure yourself? Yeah. So, so yeah, in the book, is a whole, uh, like, control your controllables. Mm -hmm. And um, the controllables are that it, it, you can't control if you get in a car accident or not. Right. What you can control is if you have the right amount of protection so that it doesn't come in and take your money. Right. And that could be from a car accident, from you hitting somebody, someone hitting you, like where you can't work, or someone suing you. So, but most people don't even understand what their value is. And even me calling my property and casualty agent, like for myself or anybody else, like you start talking about like personal liability and how much you should have, they don't even know. They're just trying to sell you, like, all right, if I give his rate as cheap as possible, maybe he won't shop me, I'll get him. Yeah. Like, it's not about, this is one place you probably shouldn't be as concerned about the rate. Yeah. You should be concerned about the protection because I remember when I had a house with a big pool and everything else, right? It was right. like you have a, uh, what is it, uh, umbrella policy. Right. That covers that, right? And there's other strategies that you need to kind of protect what you work so hard for. Yeah. And people don't really don't do that. Because they, they have the million dollars, just think about the million dollars. Like, yeah, a million dollars isn't worth much if you get in a car accident. Right. <laughs> it doesn't work if you get sued. I got insurance. <laughs> but they, they can actually come after the 250 after the insurance. They can take that and they yeah. can come after you as well. So Yeah, because I can't control if you get sick. I can't control if you get right. in a car accident. I can't control if your house burns down. I can't control if someone walks in and steals your suit boring. I mean, yeah. You may be able to knock someone out, but I can't control those things. But yeah. they're not... If you don't control those controllables, then then that's out the door. But if you do control the controllables you know you can control, and then when something happens, now you can react to what right. happened. I'm in a position to, I've been, I've already done that. So like, and that works in all circumstances. If you have a good moat around your castle and a good protection strategy, and you get hit with COVID or you get hit with a market correction, and, right. and you know your money's protected in a certain way, and you can work and wait on PPP loans or work yeah. through business decisions, because you've got some protection already set up in advance, then market cycles don't affect me as much. Inflation and, and the things that affect, it's not just just the just the insurance component of it. Wow. So you brought up COVID, um, and then in the book, you also talk about the rules of money and like the disciplines around money that you have to have, right? And you know, as a financial advisor and as a future hacker, like you realize that there's both opportunities in bear and bull markets, right? Yeah. And, and we're we're probably still in a bull market, I would assume. It seems like it. Sure it. feels like it. <laughs> and it's crazy, like all the predictions is like, so well, every seven years is a cycle, and then, like we've been right. in this twelve year, I don't know how many, how long it's been. So who knows how the financial engineering when this boom or when this bust will ever come? But talk a little bit about like COVID. Back to that abundance mindset. 
Like what what were some opportunities like then and now that where you could like kind of place your money? So I'll tell you, like when COVID hit and all this stuff started happening, all of our investment strategies are based off evidence and rules. Mm. And it goes back, like you'll see this right now, like blockchain technology, and you'll see it with like the way it works. So basically blockchain just really takes something and puts a binary code to it. It's right. like a DNA code and it programs like this is the code and you tell what you want that to do. Well, it's the same thing with your money. If you don't program it to do something, it's just going to do whatever it does. So right. if your money is already programmed to make a decision based off of something that happens and it reacts to the decision, then you're in a position that should be good. There's always two sides of the market. Either you're on the good side or the bad side. Right, right. So it's like whichever way you're going to be. So when COVID hit and all these, um, all the things started to go through, you know, the, the, there was, a lot of people are saying the world's going to end and the other stuff is like, well, let's look at the evidence of this and see if this is true. And if you look at any major pandemic that's happened, there's actually a cycle. And so, so you look at the evidence, you look at the rules of what happened, you look at like what governments typically do when things happen. So for us, the money already was already programmed to make decisions based off of the economic cycle at the time, all economic indicators were green. There was no, no, no rock in the system. The, the, the history said that the market would be six after six months of COVID, they'll be positive back to where it was. Right. It'll be, it'll be okay. Um, after outbreak, it typically is what happens. Um, six to 12 months, it's back to where it was. So, and you looked at every, we looked at every single one. Then you looked at the, the fact that all these economic indicators were happening and they're all green. And then all of a sudden that we just followed the trend. So when the money flows start happening, you're like, okay, so we're, we're moving into more safety. So we're moving into more bonds, low risk stuff at the time. And then we're in like, we were out of international. We were into like healthcare. We're in consumer staples. We're in technology. We're in all these places that were the first ones out of it. So when the federal government lowered interest rates, bond prices jumped up 20%. Like our bond, we call it 007 bond. Right. It's an evidence-based strategy and it just moved into those treasuries. It was like 20 year and 10 year treasury. It was crazy with those three asset classes. When interest rates went down, the bond prices went up dramatically and it weathered that storm. So if you're in a conservative portfolio, you actually made money through that. Moderate made money. Right. Growth maybe had some down. Aggressive felt a little bit different, but they were tilted down. So when things started to stabilize and then those those models said we're going to go back into what the current position was because mm -hmm. you're using evidence right. they just go so now you're getting like year to date you're up almost 17 percent in aggressive portfolio and so you're riding that what you would say is a bull market up and we're like we don't know when it's going to end or what but we follow those rules so in the book in chapter 10 it talks about have evidence have rules for your money program it based off of what your why is and have an investor DNA, know what it's clear and intentful for, and then build it out because you may need that money for your business. You may need it for something else. So how do you get those dollars to work for you? So you gotta make sure that if it's evidence or bait rules, that's how it works. So for us, the experience is very, I mean, it was, it was, it was harder to deal with people's emotions because we were like very logical about it. And we knew this is a double down opportunity. Right. So, so our portfolio is adapted. Um, real estate values. We saw huge opportunities in real estate. We knew interest rates were going to go to zero. Um, so when interest rates drop to keep money supply going and then money gets t loose, then all of a sudden you see real estate markets go crazy because 
if you think about it, if you had a house and you were at a four percent mortgage, right, and it dropped down to two, yeah, yeah, that, the the payment. Well, you look at your monthly payment. That price of that house goes up like this. That's where you're seeing house prices going up dramatically. Right. So people could afford more house because they're paying less mortgage. Yeah. So our like we're sitting there looking at unbelievable real estate deals in the middle of that. We're like, how many of these can we pick up along the way? How much? How can we manage the investment strategy? How can we help our clients get the free money that's out there from PPP and all this other stuff to help their businesses stay afloat? How can we create new opportunities from how do you take advantage? Like we like like unbelievable amount of companies, like from vaccines that we worked with, people had cleaning um, companies that killed COVID to all these new opportunities popped out from that. It was wild. So um, so we just playing that and then um, and now here we are. So the companies that come out of recessions or it wasn't even a recession, a deep drawdown, typically will come out real fast if they're already positioned. And that, once again, that's something that was out of our control happened. You control the controls and you're reacting to the things that are happening at the time using right. evidence and rules. So your money's moving along the way. And then when it comes out of it and then you have like a 12 month bull run like this, you are so positioned to like, yeah. Yeah. Now the question is, what's to do next? That's, that's, we don't know. Right. Right. <laughs> but that's not my job to know. My job is to adapt when it happens. Yeah. No, 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 it's great. And have the information to, to yeah. that, right? And anyone that tells you they can is a fortune teller, right? Or they're stock or gambling yeah, yeah. or they're speculating, right? So it's interesting, right? Um, you know, we're both uh, around the 40s age. And, you know, a lot of friends, you know, I'll see online, they're looking at, you know, this Reddit and this AMC, oh, yeah. this um, GameStop, this cryptocurrency, all these things. Everyone's like an expert, right? Like, so from an investment strategy standpoint, right? You talk about saving inside of your book, right? Oh, what, yeah. what, what do you think about that type of like strategy? So for me, my culture, I have this matrix, right? So I, it, it goes um, money and experience, right? So yeah. X, Y, Z, Y axis. So if it's no money and you got low experience, that's a turnover. So you don't <laughs> oh, yeah. that, right? right. Yeah. So if it's, <laughs> if it's high money, low experience, right? Experience is on the X. If it's, if it's high money, low experience, that's a trick play. Mm -hmm. So every once in a while you want a trick play, but I think the Colts are famous for a trick play that went bad a couple years ago. You can't hang your hat on that, right? <laughs> so if it makes, um, right. if you have more experience and it makes a little bit solid money, right? Those are first downs. So you live at first downs and yeah. the more experience you get, the more money you make, those are touchdowns. Yes. So you want to work towards those evidence-based rules and yeah. add high-value skills to get touchdowns. So it's, it's crazy to me where people are double and triple down on trick plays and then they like turn into turnovers. Mm -hmm. So that's my like my my uh, yeah. philosophy. But I'm just interested like to hear yours on all uh, the cryptocurrency. I mean, they could be a good investment play, but like, what's your strategy? I'll tell you, that's that that's so true because um, for me, this is my third time going through something like this. So right. if you look at 2000, 2001, when okay. I graduated college, I was a, in the tech field, and mm -hmm. those jobs dried out. So I was right. like, great, no money. And then had to like struggle all the way through to get to 08 and 09 and that all blew up on us, right? right? And now here we are again. I'm like, dude, I'm a pro at this. This is right. easy. Yeah. I've now learned because of the experience levels. Mm -hmm. I owned tons of real estate and knew what that felt like. I doubled down in the 2008, 2009 thing and made decisions that had I stuck with would have been really good decisions. Right. In 2000, 2001, I saw the hysteria kind of similar to like what's happening right now and stuff that was like mm -hmm. almost like ether, right? These tech companies and right. stuff, everyone's buying these dot coms. And it's, so these are same stories over and over again. It's just where history keeps repeating itself. So that experience level, if I don't really understand it, then I shouldn't touch it because it's right. like fire. The tortoise still beat the hare, right? So yeah. we can 
slowly chip away with it consistently over time and be there. So what I see today in the world is now I've had some friends make an unbelievable amount of money in crypto right. and all this stuff, but it really, what, if you look at the really sophisticated ones, it was a small percentage of their allocation. It was a percentage of their speculation money. Mm -hmm. And it was something that they knew that they had some form of understanding of, like they understood the blockchain. They understood how the coins were made. They researched it wholeheartedly. They actually had a good idea and they knew that there was a point to happen when this stuff happened. They knew that Tesla at one point was going to own on their balance sheet, that Mass Mutual was going to buy right. $300 billion or whatever it was of coins, maybe the 3 million, $3 million of coins on their balance sheet. So you see corporations do that, you know, it's going to go from whatever is a $60,000 a share. Right. But now you're seeing, deregulation happened. So the really sophisticated people like the Warren Buffetts and the people at the top 1% to say, you know what, that's just not legitimate. It ain't gonna work. And so then, right, because why? Because government's not gonna let it. Right. They're gonna regulate it, something's gonna happen. And the moment China pulls the plug, boom, you see 60 to 30, like it just cuts in half, right? right. So when you build out an investment allocation and you're building it on something you don't understand, you're building on something that doesn't create EBITDA, it doesn't have, cash flow yeah if it's not generating some type of form it doesn't have assets really their assets yeah. it's just a token of something that they say they can't manufacture more of but i don't really if you don't really understand that then why are they mining more if they can't create more so those are things you might want to ask right because right. if it is why not just buy dollars again because they're just printing more dollars so the idea is that we're going to be off of the dollar and then you're going to be in the gold standard well we left the gold standard in the 70s to go to the federal reserve system and now we're going to go to this What's that going to look like? Yeah. And if the governments around the world say, you know what, we're just going to make a Fed dollar. We're going to make a Fed coin, right? It's just going to be a Fed coin and we're going to use the blockchain technology to do that. So what happens? So then what you're seeing is all this new hype over this stuff. Like you're seeing right. the Reddits and all that. So they see these short squeezes, right? So you're short squeezing GameStop and AMC and like uh, today Wendy's hit pretty good. So. These I mean, but those us. are all like, um, I mean, there's a lot of lawsuits also pending on like insider trading, right? Because you can't speculate or, or go in together, potentially, allegedly, right? And yeah. like game the system. So and it's funny because the edge funds are doing it in a roundabout way. They yeah, yeah. want everybody's money together. So I'm like, well, they're kind of doing it, right? Because they get all these rich dudes together and they go, well, we're going to short GameStop down to nothing. Yeah, we're going to short but the, the only thing is they do it at expensive dinners at steakhouses. They're not doing it over text messages and message boards on, yeah. on Reddit. So now yeah. Reddit's creating a free market where everybody right. can play in it. But what the problem is they're dealing with people that just see the hype, they, they get it, and they're, they're playing with fire. So they need to understand that you're really speculating and gambling with your money. Right, right. It's not a prudent investment strategy. And if that's what you're going to do, make sure that the rest of the stuff is working right. And then this is your, your money you're going to do that stuff with. Yeah. And then the, the, the gambler wins when, when they do win, take your money off the table and play the house's money. Yeah. So I got the gambler in here too. So if you're going to be the gambler, let's be the gambler, but let's have a rule for being the gambler. Right. Let's understand that if you're doubling down on some bad decision and tripling down, is that yeah. the right move? And then, so if we're going to do that and I have friends that do it, um, then then this is how we approach That's it our strategy. and i bought some stuff but not even by amc and those but you know yeah. I, when you see value it's hard not to go when you see everybody they're lemmings right they're jumping off the thing on it because yeah. trust me there's going to be a day when we're going to be like oh man because yeah. you can't it's going to be hard to be right twice yeah it's it's funny I, I remember um you know in the nfl a lot of guys were gamblers so they'll go to the casino mm -hmm. wherever we go maybe they lose ten thousand dollars 
and then they go back the next day or the next trip and they win eight thousand. So then I just went eight thousand and go shopping with eight thousand. Right. You're still down two thousand. Yeah, they don't talk about that though. <laughs> right. So the math doesn't work. Yeah. Like so it just it's just interesting. The you house know, always wins. Yeah, people always talk about, yeah. you know, they're up, but you never talk about your losses. No. no, people come to me all the time, but man, I am kicking butt. My portfolio is doing so much better. I had a friend of mine yesterday said I hit on all twenty six of my companies that I'm like, out of 28 in the portfolio and the market was down. I was like, okay, so you had a great day. That's yeah. a good day. But what's it look like over a long period of time? And the rules and evidence should suggest that if you're not following that pattern, it's going to be very hard to predict it over time. Yeah. Like where guys like Warren Buffett have an approach, like it's a value-based investment strategy. Ray Dalio has right. an investment approach. So the, and the even interesting part too, a lot of things that they don't take into consideration because a lot of, first-time investors is that like the tax implications of taking out that money in the first year of investing is getting treated as ordinary income right so yeah. that you're paying like a boatload of taxes on it so there's a bunch of things that obviously if you're playing in that game just be educated in it you yeah. could potentially make a trick play it could potentially be a first down as you get educated on it but like I think yeah. back to your point about having a philosophy is just like dead on and like wherever you're at in your your your, your investment you know, allocation, one yeah. million, ten thousand, whatever that number is, um, you yeah. should always have some type of psychology behind it. And to me, it's hard because I'm a I'm a financial advisor, right? CFP, right. however you want to call it, that's what I am. But when people come to me and they say, "Hey, should I do this or should I not?" That's really not my place. Like right. my job is to really hey, I say, "All right, here's the pen. How how can I help you write that story? How do I help you for yourself discover mm. how to do it?" Because I want to. T teach them and tell them, but it's like if you if you educate them, then they will be better stewards of their own money going forward, and they'll be right. better at it. So it's like, how do I get that through? And 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 um, so it's like, how do I? Because our mission was always to educate them, guide and counsel people toward reaching their full financial potential. Because I'm not going to be with you all the time. So how much right. information I can give you? Say, all right. So if you're going to do this, then this is the percentage of how you do it. And we've even had to create specialty products for people that like that want this stuff. So we created a, what, a 10X model that just buys, <laughs> all right, these are the companies that have 10X explosive growth, but there's rules, there's evidence, here's a speculative piece of the portfolio, here's how it's built out. So you at least have something you can right. you can yeah. have. And if you want leverage, we've got a leverage equity, we got options. So we had to build models and portfolios that would, would have some form of structure and rule to it. So if you do want to play in that space, this is how it look. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. So, Earlier in the year, I think first year, you um, had a brand um, change, right? So you yeah. were before uh, Scott Jarrett, right? Yeah. Near and dear to your heart, of course. Yeah. But then you went to invest, right? Yeah. So, uh, talk, talk about that a little bit. Like, what was the change about? Like, what were you thinking about uh, future focus uh, with, your, with your company? Yeah, so early back in 2003 when we started, it was, um, we couldn't think of a cool name, so right. we just called it Jared Bunch. So it was right. Scott Jarrett, Brandon Bunch, and created yeah. a company. But what was important was it was consulting. Mm. Like we want to be a consulting business. And so as we went on, it was like people started to know us for that. And fast forward 18 years later, you're like, okay, how do we do this now? And um, I didn't want it to be about me. I want it to be about, and our mission stayed the same. It never changed. But then our, our tagline, we dropped the consulting and we said we, we make money work for people. That's really what we do. And we had bought a, a, a robo advisor called Invest that we had started. And, um, and I just love the brand. I bought the domain, all that stuff. I was like, I just think that's an awesome thing. It's a good umbrella right. 
to really be all encompassing. People know what it is and it can fit all of our all of our different lines of business, so our investment line, our private equity, the um, you know the rules for the private wealth side, and our Invest for Life programs. So all those things kind of fell really well under the branding, and it's five letters. I can't spell it properly because we left out the E, but yeah, yeah. it works. Yeah, so no to me, it was good, and I, I just I thought it came together really well, and we rolled it out, and everyone's like, they're going to think you got bought or went out of business, and it's just been... It was the right move. For nah, us. That's awesome. And cause in addition, you have offices um, really in Tampa. I know you have one as in New York or New Jersey. Yeah, Tampa, New York, okay. um, Sarasota, Naples. Yeah, right. we're spread out. So on that front, are you looking for more offices, or, or what? What is your like strategy? Like, what are you looking for as your growth trajectory um, in, in the upcoming years? So our mission, like our like big, big goal, is like. To me, it's like getting people to be worry-free, mm-hmm. like become financial independent. It's like we want to get a million people to be work optional, like right. to be at this point where they're free from financial worry. Mm. So for us, we're really location agnostic, especially today's world. We can do Zoom calls and all that. So when those advise, when those offices popped up, those are friends. Those are those are other advisors that want to that want to be part of our tribe if right. you will. And, so, and, and your back office system and your your frameworks that has been working yeah. successfully so they get access yeah. to our invest for life programs right. they get access to our invest platform our invest view financial curriculums and stuff like that so they they jump on then they have access to all of our intellectual capital we become a um a service provider for them help them grow but then more importantly do their values align with ours mm-hmm. and are they really wanting to help people? Because I find that when you affiliate with financial institutions and some things of that nature, they have a different agenda where we still maintain our fiduciary responsibility to our clients. So it's been, that's really our thing. But however we get there, I know that we want to get to this million people thing. And it, if it's all virtual, then that works. And we're in right. 48 states now. So, um, but that's, that's where we are. So our growth is definitely, we're growing exponentially because this stuff is very new for people. So, um, but that's our, that's our big, big thing. Nah, that's awesome. So t- towards the end of the book, you have a call to action and I love it. I, um, and part of my champion, you self-development program, I kind of have the same thing in terms <laughs> of, um, like it is scary for a lot of people. And I, I did, I've done it in, um, college where, where you write your eulogy. So, yeah. so, so why is that important that, that's, that you task someone with writing a eulogy? So if you're going to discover why you do what you do, mm-hmm. you got to ask yourself right now, if you were to die right now, right. like you got to have to have a tough conversation. So if you were dead today, what would it say? Mm. Right? Dash. That's it. Like it's done. Like, did you, did, you, did you get in a fight with someone? Do you, you want to make up with somebody? Did you not do that business you always wanted to do? Did you um, not go on that trip you always wanted to? Like, what what happened? Like, what are they going to say? And if, if it's not complete, well, then what would you want it to be? Right. So to write your eulogy and go through that whole process, you have to get really clear and intentional. The only way to get there is you got to go to a really dark place right. and figure out what that looks like. And then if you can get clear and really deep with yourself and go through like this and that this why that we've created and like understand what that is and really write it out and say, this is what I want. Now we've got the roadmap to go for. 
Wow. Because guess what? I just gave you the gift of life. You're not dead. Yeah. How, how long are you going to live now? How many years are we going to do? Do you want to do it in 80 years? Do you want to do it in 100? Or do you want to do it in the next five? So what do we have to change to get to that? Right, right. And then now we back into the process of how we get there. And then we define what values and money-making decisions you need to use to get these things. And it goes back to those four freedoms. Freedom of your money, freedom right. of your time, freedom of your, of your relationships, and your purpose. And once we get that really clear, then you're there. So the book starts out with like... Dude, here you are. You're dead. What happens? Yeah. Like if you're gonna future act your life, well, you can't really. You're dead. Yeah. All right, you're alive now. What you get? The, I'm gonna give you the gift of the rest of your life. What does it look like? Wow. And that's how you have to get your. You have to get there. Like if you ever thought about like being dead, like there's quietness in that. Like if you ever get to that point, it's like it almost hurts your brain. Like like if you get into religious stuff and all that. Like if you can get to that moment and really get that clear and temple, now you can start to play. So crazy story. Um, my brother passed away, right? When I was uh, 04, second year NFL. I come home, I tasked some people with um, getting this tombstone. They didn't decide. So I was like, I'm not going to decide on a tombstone. I'm going to get it. So I go inside of the place and I'm like, hey, um, she's on the phone, you know, one of the typical small businesses. And she's like, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy a tombstone for my brother. She just write his name, write your name, your phone number, write what you want on there. And I mock it up and you got to agree to it. And then we oh get my it. God. So I'm just like, okay, so I, I write his name, write my name. Again, she's like, give me an hour. So I was like, all right. So I go get something to eat. I come back, right? So on, on the phone still, I don't know who she's talking to, still on the phone. She gives me a Manila folder and she's like, here, check it, make sure it's right. I open up the folder. And she put my name on the tombstone oh. instead of my brother's. And then she walked away. But for that moment, <laughs> like you just that Dr. Strange, right? Yeah. And you just think like, what if it was me? Like, what would you, what would I have done yeah. different? Like, what the, what has my life meant? And it's such a powerful exercise. I mean, that was forced. Yeah. But you doing it, I know the power in it because it happened to me Damn. and I constantly think about it, right? But it's just like, it's such an amazing experience to kind of think about that because you really start thinking about what really matters, you know, while you're here. So uh, Dang, it's, a, it's a definitely crazy. amazing exercise. Yeah, that, that was, it was powerful. Yeah, that's called an epiphany. Nah, nah, no question. <laughs> so walk yeah. us through, right? All right they they yeah. get the future hack and then um, you have a program that they could sign up for Ask the future because once you have this information, obviously, I, I love the way you said like a personal a CFO to kind of yeah. help you organize stuff. Because some of this stuff is just like I don't know, like what's the difference between a whole life insurance and term? Like, so, right. so having someone kind of walk you through that. So, so what do you walk up through next, like after they're finished with the book? So um, after they get done with the book, then we've created a, a program they can go through, right. and it's our Invest for Life program, and it it literally executes those pieces. So if you like, if you want to go through the why for money, which is really like we just talked about, like writing out your, like what you want your life to be. And then it takes you through all those things, helps you identify your investor DNA, helps you get organized, gives you a, a virtual game board where it organizes all your financial data and helps you weigh and measure financial decisions from protection, assets, liabilities, cash flow. It shows where you're, where you're deficient, finds lost money, money that you may be losing to creditors, maybe money that you're losing to taxes and all these other things and tries to put it back. So we have all these programs that are built out to that. Show you how like the 1% uses the velocity of money to get $1 doing multiple different things. Um, how to create like really what is your investor DNA? 
And it may not be marketable securities. It might be you're a real estate person. You you want to invest in your business. You want to invest in you. Like you yeah. you have James Academy. That's your best asset. Right. Right. So those are the things that we have to identify. So the program really gets intentional and, and builds that all out. And then once you get through it, you've got a complete roadmap to really do whatever you want. So we um, you know we created futurehackmylife.com as the place to go to get started. Right. In the program. Uh, that's awesome. So um, Future Hack, how to reach your full financial potential. I definitely advise it. Pick it up. Amazon.com. Or is it in the bookstores? Um, I think it's on Barnes & Noble. Yeah. All right, sweet. So all Barnes & Noble. So Success News Clues is the uh, name of the show, right? So yeah. you left a bunch of, not even bombs you left, <laughs> right? So what What else? Like, what was one clue? Like, all right, someone's sitting home. They're probably overwhelmed, right? Um I was an econ major, um, very yeah. heavily involved in finance. And some people, this stuff was like over their head, right? So right. I, I'm sitting home, I, I'm making money, I have this money in my account. Like, like, what clue would you have for them in terms of like their approach to like what they do next in terms of their financial future? So for me, I mean, obviously you go to futurehackmylife.com, um, <laughs> start there, and you get a good roadmap. But like, it's really getting um, organized, like figure out where you are, take life is like a financial junk drawer you have all your stuff inside the junk drawer and you got to get it out and put it in a place to play mm. but you can't play chess without a game board right. so if you, you got to put the pieces in the right positions to how they're going to work so and some people are nervous about it they have these biases with money or they have past beliefs or whatever but you really want to get it organized to see how how the how to play the game. So if you have a virtual game board and you can actually play this game of money, like you're playing a, like a game, then, then it becomes manageable and you can start to go through it. But until you learn, just read the rule sheet and put it together, that that's where it has to start. It, it's crazy. You say that, um, I talk to a lot of people and it just like, they don't know their net worth. Yeah. And it just like, you're paying on 18%, 20% credit cards when you have equity, like crazy amount of equity house and all these different things. It's like, if you know the rules of money, you would take out a low yield and pay off all that high yield stuff. I have a much lower yield and you make 15, that's 15% of your money right there. Oh, yeah. If you think about it, if you're spending um, $1,500 a month on a credit card, mm -hmm. and if that could have been replaced over to something that's lower interest, that $1,500 could be saved over a 30 year period. You easily create two million dollars. Wow, two million dollars at five percent pays them the hundred thousand. Like that's a hundred thousand dollars of cash flow. So people don't think about being a cash flow investor. So when I say making money work for people, all I hear is people working. Like yeah. you want to flip it around so your money's working for you. Yeah. <laughs> so if these things aren't providing cash flow or future value to you, then it's probably, you probably need to reevaluate the decision. Yeah. And right now we're working so hard trying to pay the bills, get the house and pay for kids college or whatever we deal with on a daily basis. And no matter who you are and where you are, you're still dealing with it. Yeah. And until you can get that money flipped around where it's, it's printing and it's DNA and doing its thing, then it's not working for you. Nah, man, that's powerful. Um, I use this analogy uh, when I'm when I'm speaking and training that it's kind of like your vision, your own personal vision, and financial is a huge piece of it. But um, I used to put, and I still do, put puzzles together with my kids. And now I'm putting the pieces together, and I have the box, right? I can very easily put that puzzle together, right? The, yeah. Okay, the white, I can right. see the green. But then if I don't have the box, 
I could still kind of like <laughs> see the greens, put the whites yeah. together, right? The edges. But but then, <laughs> but then imagine like some people's like all the pizzas are upside down and all you see is brown. Oh yeah. So how the hell do you put that puzzle together? <laughs> That's where you get confused. That's why people are scared of it. You know what I'm saying? So just like first off, yeah, that's a good eulogy. Topic. Yeah. Flip the pieces over. Let's paint that picture. So All now right. we can start putting those pieces together. And once you have that puzzle, then now we can like take it to the next level and start to execute on that vision. And it's clear not only for you but for your family. Right. So it's like a very helpful exercise to really get you going in the right direction. Um, and and really put your north star. Like what's your north star? Was right. whatever that eulogy, whatever that vision, whatever that board says, that's right. what you should be hitting towards. Yeah, because if it doesn't fit that, and if your money decisions aren't aligned with that, and your values aren't working towards that, then you're making decisions that are contradictory to what you really want. Right. And it's just like with your mindset and your vision and your to be a, have a championship mindset and all that, it's like, I'm, I'm sure Peyton came in, you guys won the Super Bowl, so you know, today's goal is not to win the Super Bowl. Right. I mean, was, the goal was to win the yeah. Super Bowl. No, absolutely. And you're like, all right, I'm in. Yeah. Like, so you got the whole team around, that that's what we're doing, and whatever it takes, right? right. We're going to show up early, we're going to work out harder, we're going to, whatever it takes. No. And that's, that's a championship's mindset. It was the same thing with your money, because that usually is the catalyst to do whatever you want on that sheet anyway. Right. No, no question. And I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I don't believe in like one off. Some people are just like, oh, you were on my show before. Like, so who you who will be a regular <laughs> on the Success Leaves Clues uh podcast? Obviously, we have a lot more to discuss, but definitely want to give you some digestible things today. Yeah. And and the call to action, futurehack.com is where you can buy the book. Where where else can they find uh, invest yeah. is at invest.com as well? Yeah, futurehackmylife.com. Futurehackmylife.com. Yep. And then invest, I-N-V-S-T.com. Right. right, sweet. Is, is us. Awesome, man. Mm -hmm. So definitely do yourselves a favor. Purchase this book if you're trying to future hack your life and take it to the next level. Yeah. Thanks again for tuning in <laughs> to Success Leaves Clues, and I will catch you on uh, the next episode. I hope you were able to take some valuable insights from this week's chat. Feel free to reach out to me on social media with clues you gain or questions you need answers to. You can find my pages at GaryBracket.com. Remember, it is up to you to make the most out of your opportunities to reach success. Personally, I live this life with an abundance mindset, and deep down, I hope we all make it.